Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for co-op news, reviews, and playthroughs. I'm Peter, and tonight we're reviewing Marvel Dagger. What's up, Mike? Hey, Peter. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. Did you hear my chair squeaking? Was that the was that the laugh? No, I was just happy you were doing fantastic. I was being happy for my friend. You know, we are friends. I like that about you, Mike. You like to have your friend. <laughs> yes. Well, no, that's my favorite quality of yours is that you're my friend. I don't know. Yeah, what that... yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fits. I, I, I like being uh, friends with you too. That that's my favorite quality of myself. Well, there you go. Nice. So. <laughs> Before we go too far off the rails here, although, so I'm drinking Diet Starry. Have you tried Starry yet? No, I've heard of it. I have not tasted it yet. So it's, it was Sierra Mist turned into Starry. So we went to like away on this vacation with my son last year and he swears like he loves Sprite. He loves Sprite. He didn't want to try Sierra Mist. He didn't want to go to this one restaurant because they only had Sierra Mist. So one (laughs) night we're at dinner and now my son's 15. He's not like, you know, three or whatever. Like, it's one night we go out to dinner, and he's like, I'll have a Sprite, so they bring him out one, he drinks it, he's like, wow, this is really good, and the waiter comes over, he's like, would you like another Sierra Mist? And my son just looks at me with this evil face, and he's like, because he thought he was getting Sprite, and he was like, so anti-Sierra Mist, I'm like, they're the same thing, dude. And so then he won't drink Sprite now, and so he was so mad when Sierra Mist went away. So now they're starry. So that's the, that's the, that's the story of starry. That's that's not really the story. That's just my story. Yeah, my seven-year-old chose to spend some of his hard-won uh, allowance money on a bottle of blue-colored Gatorade. All right. And and now he drinks a little bit each night, like his dessert after dinner. And I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs> you know what? Not too bad. That's not I, – I, I'm down with that. Like, that's – you I mean, know, you treat yourself. You get something. You learn to, like, portion it out over time. Oh, no, he, he would just drink the, this is daddy portioning it out. He would drink oh. the entire thing in one sitting, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, but that's probably but, uh, what people are here for. No, they're probably here for game stuff. We are a board game podcast, by the way. We're going to talk about Marvel Dagger here soon. But first, we have some people to thank. Yeah, let's thank some of our amazing uh, patron supporters. Uh, Patreon.com slash one stop. Uh, you get early access to the main channel videos. Uh Usually, like, every Sunday or Monday, I just post a link to all the ones that are done. You can watch them before everybody else and discuss them on Discord if you want to or on uh, Patreon itself. And then we do two Patreon-exclusive videos every month. So at this point, we have... You know, let's see, how many do we have? Too many. Mike <laughs> has recorded too many videos. Uh, 43. 43 videos you can only see on Patreon. <laughs> and hey, if you if you join... You know, not, not that we want you to do this, but if you join for this one month, you get to see all of them, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. you can, you can join for one month, watch your heart's content and then leave again. Uh, but yes, and it also supports us. Of course, the most important thing in buying games, buying equipment, paying for uh, the fees we have to pay to use the music we use to have the, uh, the podcast hosting services, like all that kind of stuff. So to thank a few of our specific patrons, uh, Kira Peevely, Max Helveston, Jess Puff, Nikki Griffin and Ellen Centinella or Centinea, uh, Kira, Max, Jess, Nikki, Ellen. Thank you all for your generous support. And thanks to everybody who watches the YouTube channels, who uh, listens to the podcast, who subscribes, who writes reviews. It's uh, all helpful in keeping our little cooperative journey going together. 
And have we hit 40,000 yet? Or are we just real close? We uh, we hit four. Yeah, we. So the main channel hit 40,000 subscribers last week, actually. But we're doing uh, check it out. When when am I airing it? <laughs> Sorry, a lot of stuff uh, this Friday, this Friday. Uh, so four days as of the uh, recording of this. But if you're listening to the podcast, it's already there. We did a 40,000 subscriber, 40 forever game video. So it's uh, Barrett, Steve, Jason, Colin, Peter, and I. Each of us picked five of our forever games, things we think will never leave our collection. Then we got 10 more from our viewers. So it's 40 unique games discussed in, I don't know, the video is like 20 minutes. I tried to make it as fast as I could. So just like a little thank you and fun thing to do to celebrate 40,000. And let's get the streaming channel up to 4,000 next and just keep going from there. Yeah, that's our, that was my goal. I had a little uh, spiel that might cut out. But basically, if you're watching oh, this now, that. <laughs> if you're watching this now on the streaming channel or listening to the podcast, go subscribe to One Stop Co-op Shop Streamed. If you're watching now, please subscribe as you are watching because our goal is to get to 4,000 subscribers here. And if we do that, I'm actually going to do, and maybe with you, maybe with Steve, maybe with both of you, a reaction video to everybody else's forever games, as well as discussing some more that I definitely had more games that did not make any of our lists that made me a little sad. Yes, no, I did too. It, it's tough to, and, and even the five, we, we were fighting because like three of us had Spirit Island, or actually maybe four of us had Spirit Island. So I, I didn't even bother putting it because I, oh, really? <laughs> I knew if somebody would be higher than me, even though I like the game a lot, like it wouldn't have been in my top two for sure. Sure. But yeah, uh, Peter, what games have you been playing recently? I know we, we played a bit together. Yeah, so Jason Perez came down from our channel, and we played Genshin Impact. I don't know the exact... Yeah, Genshin Tarot is the card game that's based on it. And that was super fun. It's a deck-building game, but you're deck-building from personal decks. So you recruit four heroes, I guess. What do you get dealt? Five or six? You have to pick four Five. of them to keep... And then they each have their own personal upgrade decks where they're going to be upgrading throughout the course of the game. And it was interesting, like using elements to break shields. And if you do elements in a certain order, you get certain powers. And it seemed overly complicated at first. But then when you got playing it, it was actually really good. It, I was I was really happy with that one. So uh, Yeah, I'm, I've been enjoying it a ton. Definitely one of my recent favorite deck builders. And I should have a playthrough again this week. I think like Thursday maybe it's going up. And then I'll have a review, and then I'm sure Peter and I will do a podcast on it some sometime soon, too. Because your your daughter is a huge fan of Genshin Impact, right, Peter? Huge. That is her favorite game. She's, like, <laughs> spouting gospel to me as she was, like, looking through the rule book and, like, talking about all her favorite characters and they, the ones they don't have yet. And, oh, my gosh. So this game has to become successful so we can get, <laughs> like, apparently there's, like, 50, 60-plus characters in the game. And there's certainly not that many in Genshin Tarot. So yeah, yeah, they they want to like they say this right in the rule book. If the game does well enough, they want to do the rest of them because they're doing it kind of as a tarot thing. Hence, hence the Genshin tarot uh, name. Right. And they're still missing three of the main tarot suits, which I think is 14 cards each. So that's like another 42 characters. If I did my math right. Well, and I know they don't have her like favorite set of characters. Apparently, like they came out mm. in seasons as the game came out and came. You want to know anything about Genshin Impact? I will have Allison on and we'll have a whole podcast just talking about awesome. the, the history and lore of Genshin Impact. She will, she will, uh, school us all on that for sure. So 
Who knows? Maybe when we do that podcast, I'll have her on for a couple minutes at the beginning so she can explain what's missing from the game or what you know <laughs> what we should work toward. Steve Kingsley, King of Co-op, says, Reaction video is a good idea, and yeah, a lot more games I could include in the forever list. So he had some games that didn't make it also on anybody's list. Yeah, I mean, I probably have the shortest forever list because I call so frequently, but I still probably had like seven or eight instead of the five that I said, or maybe even 10 or 12. I don't know. All right. So but yeah, then we hear- also played... Uh, so Jason, Jason, we kept like the, it was sort of a birthday celebration weekend when he visited. So then we also played Space Alert twice, right? Didn't we play it two times in a row? Three, I thought. No, it was two because the first time we died very early and the second time we made it to the final round, but also died. We only played twice. Oh, okay. I felt like there was a learning game in there too. Maybe that was the first well, one that we lost. I, yeah. I, I yes. thought we played three, but yeah, maybe only two. Either way. But yeah, um. It reminds me, so it's funny, I keep these games and I think about culling them, but I say to myself they're my favorite games, then I forget why they're my favorite games, because I haven't played them in a while. Right. And then I play them again, and I remember these games are awesome. And it wasn't just face alert, so uh, Jason stayed the night, and then we played Paint the Roses and Paleo the next morning, and I was like, yeah, these games are awesome. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Paint the Roses. I mean, Space Alert, we got this. Actually, every game we played, we lost because we lost Genshin Terra, too, which just shows that Peter is cursed. Because then uh, after you left Peter, the games we played in the morning, we won every single one, all the cooperative ones. So, uh, yeah, you know, get better. Well, I won Marvel Dagger the next morning without you or the next afternoon by the time Jason came over. So That's a good point. That's a good point. There there was that. So it wasn't me that was cursed. It was the combination of you and I made bad things happen. I yes. don't know. I, I do blame myself for, for, for certainly for Space Alert because I don't know that game. Oh, no, no, no. I, oh, my gosh. I messed up so badly in Space Alert. I haven't played it forever. And even though it's, that's a very skill based game, if you don't know Space Alert, it's one of the first co op games I ever played and like loved. It's a Vlada Chavadal, CGE, Czech Games Edition, cooperative, like programming game, basically trying to survive these uh, spaceship uh, threats and teleport out of there before you die. Awesome game. And yes, I'm apparently rubbish at it again after several years away from playing it. I don't know that we've ever reviewed that one. You, Jason, and I should get on and review that at some point. Yeah. I don't know if I've done... I mean, yeah, like all, all games that are past a certain age, I've just never... I don't like. I don't tend tend to go back and just review older games. Like I don't think I've ever done a five and five for Pandemic, for example. Yeah, I don't think we've done <laughs> you know Pandemic. I mean? And I keep <laughs> promising you Marvel Champions five and five and uh, Gaia Project five and five reviews, and I haven't done those yet. Although I feel more confident after recording that top five video. Like it takes me a while to warm up to something. Once I do it, like I don't know. I, I feel like I could do it pretty easily now. Yeah, so. it takes a while to get, as somebody who does it a lot, it takes a while to get used to this kind of like staring into a camera and speaking in a somewhat, I mean, hopefully entertaining <laughs> way, you know, for a right. period. And speaking of the last game, I wanted to say quickly that I played a lot. Uh, the review just posted today as of this recording, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. I said it on the thumbnail. It wasn't trying to be clickbait because it's the honest truth. My number one crawler. At the current moment, you know, I won't save all time because things change and new games come and go. But yes, currently it is my number one dungeon crawler to yeah, play. You kind of hinted at this, I believe, in our last podcast. Maybe I'm wrong about that. You, Maybe you and I just talked off air. But yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for that one because I like that one a lot when we played it in pre-release. And if they've made it only better, then that's awesome. And uh, so I'm getting that from you this week. And so yeah. that'll probably be our next podcast in two weeks is uh, there you go. Red Dragon. Yeah. Don't get confused by the Red Dragon Inn part. It is not anything Tales like Tales from the Red Dragon. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
I mean, it's such a weird thing, isn't it? Like, the Red Dragon Inn, for those who don't know, is a totally competitive, like, super cutthroat take that, like, player elimination. Like, not at all the kind of game that Peter and I would normally play these days. They have, like, a billion expansions for it. And then they go off, and the same team makes Battle for Greyport. One of the most cooperative, cooperative one of builder, the most cooperative deck builders ever. Incredibly cooperative, <laughs> and one of my favorite deck builders, like an awesome deck builder for like cooperative uh, uh, tactical play and stuff. And then they make uh, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, which is my favorite dungeon crawler right now. It's like, dang, all right, y'all. <laughs> it, it, it made me, it was funny, I went on Discord and I was like, hey, should I be playing Red Dragon Inn, like the original? Like, when no. I like this, I really love everything they do. And everyone's no. like, no, man, dude, like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is so far from co- cooperative. Right. It's so weird. I don't know. But hey, good for them. I, I love Tales from the Red Dragon and I hope you love it too, Peter, because I know you liked it uh, when we played like on I mean, I can only imagine, even if they didn't do anything to it, I, I was so happy with it at that point. So I'm super excited to get played with the family. Yeah. So Steve Kingsley says, probably should have gone with a more different name, starting to become a Valeria issue. Yeah. The Valeria See, I, I disagree. Oh, okay. So I disagree. And this, okay. is, this is actually something, I, I thought it was our podcast, but no, I was... The Hungry Gamer, I think it was. I think it was on Boards and Brews with him. Yep. And the conversation topic was, like, when is a shared universe, like, theme-wise useful, and when is it not? And Valeria was an example that we both were like, you know, there's no, there's basically no recurring characters. There's no, like, real, like, interesting element to the theme. It's just kind of generic fantasy. So there, it's like a hindrance. But Are you sure there's no recurring characters? Well, I don't know. Because I, I feel like they I just have. reuse the art. Now, there's no, you don't know anything about any of the characters at all, right? So I feel like they did that so they could reuse the art. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And so I feel like, like every what, what, character is reused. I feel like every character is in all their games. Now, that doesn't mean they're interesting at all. I just think that they're rehashed characters. Well, yeah, so, well I guess the interesting thing. But I, either way, we said, like, when you have, like, interesting characters and they get reused, it's cool. So the fact that... At this point, I I feel like I kind of know Gurky, the little, like, halfling. And I know Fiona, like, the redhead, like, fighter lady. Because I've played with them in Greyport. And I've played with them in uh, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. And now, I, you know, again, I'm tempted to get Red Dragon Inn to play with the characters again. And see them doing other stuff. So, yeah. You I, will I think- not like Red Dragon Inn. I feel like it's very Munchkin-esque where it's, like, the last one to survive and, like, you're trying to knock the other people out and, like, there's a lot of counter cards and a lot of, like, that kind of I mean, I used to like those games. Clearly, it's not the kind of game I play anymore. I I used to, heck, my my favorite game used to be hidden, like, trader games for a while there, you know? And before that, my favorite type of game was, like, uh, skirmish and war game, like, competitive ones. Like, I don't know. We, we all are multitudes in our gaming preferences, right? We can like lots of things. The moment I bragged about most in gaming ever happened at your house. I don't even know if you remember this. Was in a game, was in a hidden trader game. Do you remember the moment, like, off the top of your head? I think it was Battlestar Galactica, wasn't it? Nope. No, because that we were playing at a convention or something. Okay, then resistance it was resistance avalon do you remember what happened no all right so mike's calling out the instructions and he said everybody put your head down he's like all right traders put your thumb up or whatever merlin opened your eyes merlin close your eyes oh i do remember this 
traders put your thumb down. And I didn't hear that instruction in all the rest of the instructions. And then he's like, everybody open your eyes. And we all open our eyes. I'm sitting there, my thumb up, literally pointed up in the middle of the table. And yeah, was, and I remember that. Then, then you played dumb the rest of the game. And like, Mike's like, like, why did you do that? I'm like, dude, that was a joke. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm totally kidding. Like, I was just trying to F with you guys. Like, ha ha ha, whatever. We continue to play. And nobody suspected me of being a traitor, even though I clearly had had my thumb up at the beginning of the game. It was awesome. And I ended up winning that game. I don't remember who was on my team, but it was like so funny that I played that off so well that uh, usually I'm yeah. terrible at those games. But that was like a proud moment right there. And, and that does, we talk about this in the Discord sometimes, that does bring up the important thing to remember that like anything you think is the hobby from your own preferences is just one small portion of the kind of people that are out there, right? Absolutely. Like Red Dragon Inn, like I said, has I think more than 15 or 16 expansions. It continues to sell well. Munchkin has a million expansions that I guess continues to sell well or they wouldn't be making them. You know, those are games that we might look at and be like, pshaw, like these are terrible games. But number one, they're not for some people. And number two, they weren't even for us at one point in our gaming lives. You know what I mean? I was going to say, even people like you and I, who play games together all the time, design games together, people think we have, like, the same taste. But we had a huge fight earlier this week, or last week, about a game that we totally disagreed on. Now, (laughs) I think we kind of both came to the middle a little bit, but, like, you never know. Nobody's going to like the same games. I mean, I love Gaia Project, Castles of Burgundy. I think you like those games, but they're not your favorite games. You like Arkham way better than I do. Paint the Roses one you talked about. I thought that game was fine. Like, it wasn't my cup of tea. Just one. I think it's a great game. Oh, yeah, you do too now. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha on that one. <laughs> um, I, I never thought it wasn't a great game. I took issue with you, maybe, your number one. But even now, I, I agree more with you than whatever my choice was. That I year. think it was Tainted Grail, the first edition <laughs> oh, of Tainted Grail. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was definitely. But you're definitely right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't even think Tainted. I don't even think just one was in your top five. I, I might be wrong. We'd have to go back. Oh, no, it had to be. Because it was like, we did our top games of the whole year. So it was somewhere in your list. But It was in my top 20 out of 20 games sure. we covered, probably. So. Yes. I think you had it way lower than me, though. Because you had some bad experiences right before we recorded, I feel like. And Yeah. And so you, you were know, like. funny, because I've played it a million it. times since then in every circumstance. And it's always been great. Like, I've never had another bad experience with that game. I mean, heck, my, uh, this is a proud moment. Sorry. At some point, we'll get to the, the uh, actual review today. But yeah, this is a proud moment. My son, uh, my oldest, who's the, game, the one who games more, he had a party with three of his friends from school coming over to my house and playing board games. That for is like awesome. Three hours straight. They had pizza, they had chips, they had drinks, they played board games. And, you know, they played uh, again. Don't judge the game, you know, like each game has an audience if it does well enough to have an audience, even if that audience is like tiny. Yep. Uh, They played Just One. Yep. They played Exploding Kittens, which now is coming to my house tomorrow because he loved it. So I'm going to play Exploding Kittens. (laughs) I'll play it with you. I I don't think I played that one. Yeah, I haven't either. They played, uh, it's not Cards Against Humanity, but it's like the kid friendly version. I was about to say, if your kid, if your yeah, it's like uh, Cards Against Humanity is an issue. It's like, it's like teens against maturity or kids against good behavior or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they played like all these goofy games and they had a blast and I was like, oh, good job, buddy. I, I used to have board game parties like when I was, you know, 10 or 11 or 12. So it was pretty cool to see it happening for him too. Yeah, I did not. I definitely did not. And, Sorry, I've been talking a lot, Peter. Any games you want to shout out before we get to... No, uh, 
What are we re- what are we reviewing? Dagger? Mar- Marvel Dagger. And we forgot to mention our design discussion. We always forget to do, uh, do this. We'll talk a little bit about what it's like to be a superhero or how, how you feel like a superhero or what games can do to make you feel like a superhero, whatever, something like that. We'll talk about that in our design discussion at the end. So, you know what? I'll save some time here. Let's talk about the theme. It's Marvel. You're fighting a villain. You got to beat him up. Tell us a little about the mechanics, Mike. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I knew you were going to take the easy one. <laughs> Oh, and uh, Kim from the streaming channel is in the chat also saying, raise them right, Mike. Good job making more board games. Yeah, I'm working at it. Uh, Red Dragon Inn, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, has gotten my seven-year-old into things heavily. Although I was realizing somebody had said in the Discord today. Sorry, Peter. I know I'm, I have a job to do. I'll get back to it. <laughs> somebody was saying in the Discord today, they mentioned zombie kids and zombie teens, which are also great games for uh, families. And that one also, like, totally hooked my seven-year-old and the whole, like, unlockable content and, like, opening envelopes and putting stickers on things. Like, really, he loved that. So I think that sort of prepped him for a campaign dungeon crawler a bit. I don't know if we had him play that, if he would have been into Tales from the Red Dragon as much. But yes, Marvel Dagger. Marvel will, Dagger, I'll, everybody. I'll, I'll, do, uh, I'll do gameplay real quick. So players take their turns. They get <laughs> no, three, no, I got it. I, I can do my job. <laughs> I can do my job, dude. They get three yeah, actions. So, so, Move. Shut up, shut up. So <laughs> Attack. You, you, combine, you combine a hero. Combine a hero and aspects. So you get like this little combination of hero that gives you different uh, bonuses and things. You have 20 heroes in the game. You're going against one of four anamases who are, you know, kind of the usual suspects. Red Skull, Ultron, Thanos, Loki. There's a timer of uh, event cards you're drawing every turn. Very Eldritch Horror-ish in this one aspect and some of the other things, but a lot of the game is not like Eldritch Horror. Um, you have to complete four missions one kind of generic mission, then three that are specific to your uh, nemesis. You can fail them or pass them, but time keeps on moving forward. Then the nemesis becomes vulnerable to attack. You got to beat him up to win. Uh, like Peter said, you have three or four actions based on player count per turn. And you can fight people. You can solve missions. You can do other stuff. It's move. all dice-based. That's basically it. A move. Yep, <laughs> moving. Yeah, you're moving around a big, like, kind of world map. Um, that's about it. Yeah, like, that. that's kind of the game. Um, and we'll then the enemies activate the and uh, they yeah, do their yeah. stuff. Uh, you draw an event right. card, but I feel like we'll get into all that in the uh, top five points. And that's what we're going to get into now is talking about our top five, which if you haven't joined us before, we talked about the f- top five things we think you need to know about the game, starting with number five, which is the least important, going all the way to number one, which is most important. But of course, they're all important or we wouldn't mention them at all. All right. You want me to go first? Sure. All right. So my number five is Variety. And it's an interesting one to talk about in a game that only has four villains, but there's like a million heroes. I think it's like 20, right? Like 10 double-sided heroes? 20 heroes, six aspects, six enemy like factions to go with the villain, a ton of event cards. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, right. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. So you have a different starting mission and that starting mission not only is like the first thing you do for the first couple of turns of the game, but it also affects what villains you are playing against for the whole game. So for example, it might be the, um, the frost giants or whatever, and that'll be like the starting mission, but every enemy that comes out throughout the course of the game will either be related to the villain you're fighting or to those frost giants or whatever. So a lot of times, like when I had the drone 
like starting mission or whatever, I'd play it with Ultron or whatever. But you certainly can mix and match these, and that'll add a little variety. Then you have the different villains, four different villains that come with the game. They're all a little bit different. Then you have, well, not a little bit different. Some of them are quite different, which is good. Then you have your different characters, which I think provides a lot of the variety, not only the characters, but the different aspects they have. Then you have the different events. So you use nine events every game, plus three that are specific to the villain. But there's a stack of like 20 or 30 events usually when fantasy flight does this they add like they give you like 10 events and their first expansion is to give you like 10 more but they give you a decent number of events to start with and those change up uh how you do things and then the last thing is the side quests so again that is related to that starting card no, the side quests are just their own separate deck with with elite enemies and with uh extra right. like missions complete Right. Yeah, that's right. You have this whole deck of side quests that you shuffle up. And sometimes you get like a bunch of different minions, like high powered minions that come on the board. And sometimes you get a lot of like other stuff you have to do that increases threat every turn. That's right. That's a pretty thick stack of those as well. And again, usually fantasy flight games, I assume those are going to be like a small deck. But no, you're never getting through all those quests. You might go through four or five a game and you probably have like 40 of them in there. So yeah, that adds, there, there's just a lot of different variety in those different quests and things. I, I think no one element is overwhelmingly like, oh my gosh, this thing changes up the gameplay so much. But I think with all of them put together, it gives you a lot of different ways to play. And then there's some randomness as well, which we'll get to later, which I think also varies up the game from game to game. Yeah, might have if I was also variety, which is why I made a face when you said it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I, agree with, <laughs> I agree with everything Peter said. You know, this isn't a cheap game. I think MSRP might be $90, but not like miniature wise, but just like in terms of content, there's a lot of stuff in here, especially that huge roster of heroes. A few things I'll say, like there's a lot of side quests, but they don't necessarily feel that different. There's a lot of enemies, but they don't necessarily feel that different. It all kind of depends on how well they stay on the board or don't. Sure. Because sometimes you just kill every enemy right away and you're like, oh, you had a special power. Whoops. You know, or you kill like an elite enemy. It's like, oh. You were, I mean, unless it's Taskmaster, he's a nuisance, but a lot of other ones just like fall down immediately. Um, The side quests kind of go that way as well. The nemeses definitely have, the four of them have like their own unique things going on, but some of their missions kind of uh, blend together a little bit. So I still think the variety is very good, but there are elements, you're right, Peter. Like if you look at any individual element, it's not like that crazy different. It is the, you know, collection of all of them that gives the game a nice, I think, amount of variety. Yeah. Did you want to go next? Because you it was kind of a repeat. You want to do your oh, four? Sure. First? Okay. So uh, my number four is the action system. So uh, as we said, you have three or four actions a turn, but one of them is a boosted action, and you're putting them on these little spots, mostly on your player board and your aspect board. So I like a lot of things about this. First of all, it's micro turns. So even when we played three and four player, turns went very quickly because you only do a single action, which is like move a couple spaces or roll a few dice to punch a guy. So you never have very much downtime. You're like constantly moving and doing things, which also can help with uh, cooperation because you can like really kind of mix and match your actions and help each other out in lots of ways. I like the boosted action concept where once per turn you tend to do something better and that relies on your aspect, like you might be able to like move farther, but also hurt people as you go or like get re-rolls for mitigation or that kind of stuff. So I like that whole choice. And I like the actions themselves. Like the aspects change them a bit. Uh, Pretty much all the heroes have their own unique action that tends to do really cool stuff. So I think the entire action system, the micro turns, I think all of that works really well. Yep. I'll get to that in a minute. 
My number four is the event cards themselves. So the villain turn I'll go over really quickly is basically you're going to increase threat based on the villain gives a certain amount of threat each turn and then number of enemies on the board and number of bases you have that get have been destroyed. All that's going to increase threat every turn. And then actually some of the side quests is too. Then you determine whether you beat the event or the main quest or not or, or whether you lose it. Either way, you progress forward. But then the next step is the event card. And this really drives a lot of what happens on the villain turd. And it's pretty cool because what they have is they have text that says, do this. It might be a positive thing. It might be a negative thing. Then they have some symbols along the side, which they basically have those symbols around the board. And it's like pretty obvious what they do. It, like they may have an event card back and it's like draw an event card or not an event card, a side quest. They may have a like little circle symbol on it that basically says activate all these circle symbols on the board. They may have things that activate the villain. The villain has three different aspects that will get activated by these uh, little symbols on the event card. Then it says all the enemies activate. So any enemy on the board is going to activate at that point. And then they show a spawn value along the bottom. The reason I put all this together is because I think it's neat how they balance themselves. Like if it's a really good event, they can make it really terrible other stuff on the card. Sometimes they don't even have a spawn at all on the card. Very rarely, but some of the villain ones I saw didn't have one because it's such a terrible event that you're going to have to deal with. I just like the fact that they put all of it on one card so it can self-balance a little bit. Sure, certain cards are going to be worse for you or better for you, like depending on the time of the game as well. But I like how much stuff they put on there, which gave them a lot of knobs to turn. But yet you follow it in a very simplistic order and it makes it easy to do the enemy activation as well. And then, of course, like I said, it gives them a lot of variety options there. Yeah, and like the this wasn't on my list, but I agree with you. And the the graphic design of it kind of like reads from like top to bottom, left to right, and sort of like yep. this arc. So it like flows really nicely. I think the enemy turns that uh, go pretty smoothly. The balancing thing I'm not so sure about because it's definitely. I mean, you know, there's different ways to go with balance. They could have tried to self balance all the cards and make if it's bad at the top, it's good at the bottom, and vice versa. But I think they might have gone the other way, which is also fine, and made like some cards just straight up worse and some cards straight up better. Mainly with the spawn that you mentioned, because I definitely had cards that were like really bad. And then the two player spawn or three player spawn, because it's the same numbers you use, was like also the hardest enemy. Yeah. But then if I'd been playing like four or five player, like it was only like weenies that would come out. So there was some weirdness with player count and balance on the event cards. But otherwise, I agree with you. They flow smoothly. Like it's it's a nice way to do kind of the enemy turn. I guess I was thinking that they probably did that more than actually paying attention to whether they actually did or not. The nice part is yes. they can come out with more event cards that balance it more and, and move it more towards symmetry. And you're only using nine a game again, so you're never going to see them all. But yeah, I, no, it's a ton of variety. Yeah, so I think they can move more toward balance if they wanted to, or maybe even do difficulty ones, right? These are the hard events where everything is hard, and that way if you want to play a harder game, right? It's 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 not something that's in there now, but for variety of the future, if they want to have easy mode and hard mode, they could really balance it with those event cards pretty easily. Yeah. All right, so my number three is my number three of a dice test, which is key to the game. This is a dice resolution-like game for all your main actions and stuff. And pluses and minuses here. There can be awesome rolls and you can feel really good. One of the key like kind of things in the game, these are D8 dice and one of the sides on each die is a lightning bolt. And what that does is it triggers the dagger effect of there are colored regions, kind of think pandemic, you know, like red and blue and whatever the colors are in pandemic. And each region has a base 
and the bases have different bonuses. And if you roll a lightning bolt, you get to trigger that bonus for each lightning bolt. And it's also a wild. So you get a double bonus when you roll well, which can make some of your rolls awesome. Like when you roll well, you feel great. Uh, the negative side of that <laughs> is that when you roll terribly, you don't feel great and you waste your entire action. And they made the choice. It is a choice. It's not a choice that I like particularly myself to have the number of successes you need to do a lot of stuff fairly low, but also the number of success faces on the dice for most actions very low. Yeah. For for attacking, it's pretty good. Like 50% of the faces, uh, including the wild, hit. But then when you get into like the solving, the defying action, where you try to like solve the missions and stuff, that only hits on, I think, three out of eight faces with the wild. And then same thing for the resting action, but they even have like fewer icons. So... Especially like when my wife played, she just had really bad luck. She kept wasting actions. And it's not just that you have bad luck. It's that the game funnels you in what I would call a slightly unfun way to try to only do what your character is good at, which is fine. You know, like you want characters to have roles. If I'm playing the Hulk, I want to be smashing people and not, you know, solving. Well, I guess Bruce Banner is smart, but if I'm in Hulk Hulk form, I'm not like solving arithmetic, right? But when you only have like two dice to roll and you only have or one third chance of hitting on each dice. Yeah. You know, or one. Exactly. Like, I don't know. I felt a little bit pigeonholed too much sometimes with the dice. Yep. And again, losing actions is never fun. But on the other hand, it is fun to roll them. And I, I do want to say this. I want to make this pretty clear. If you hate the dice luck, there are specific characters and there are specific uh, aspects, aspects combos. Yep. That like really mitigate the luck, not a hundred percent, but give you like lots of rerolls, lots of bonus dice. So you can like pick and choose your heroes to avoid the randomness, but it's there and it can be frustrating. I will definitely get to that later. Okay. <laughs> so my number three is the character and aspect selection. You talked about it a lot, but I like how you can mix and match characters and aspects. Similar Marvel champions. I think that's why people thought it'd be more similar Marvel champions, even with the names, aggression, justice, def- protection, right? Like they have a lot of the same names. I, I, yes and no. They they play somewhat similarly, but not that similarly to Marvel Champions. But you get the point of what they're trying to go for. They do have three other ones, and some of them, like like Mike said, one of them is definitely all about mitigating, and leadership's all about helping other people with their actions. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are other ones that are kind of interesting that are unique to Dagger. But I, I do like how every aspect. Is the aspects really controlling your actions for the most part? And the hero has like powers that boost or affect those different attributes that you're doing. So it makes kind of a neat combination, as well as the hero board sometimes will have one or two actions on it, but usually you have to be empowered or boosted up to get it and discard that empower token. The empower is really powerful because like it, it's one of the things that helps mitigate that luck, right? You can only have one on you at a time, but like if you make a roll, you can add one success by discarding your empower token. So it's kind of neat that they also use those for other things. It makes your decision-making interesting. A lot of times it's going to be better to use it for, you know, your special powers that you have on your hero board. But sometimes you just need that one extra hit to defeat that villain. And if you don't get it, then, you know, you're out of luck. So uh, sometimes you do use it for that extra hit. So I do like that mitigation. And I do like the heroes, like how they work, how those boards combo with the heroes themselves. Mm. Some combos are much better than others. But it is fun to explore because while you have 20 different heroes, each of them has six aspects. So it's really like there's 26 heroes or 20 times six heroes. 
in a way. Sure. Although when you die, you do end up seeing the other side of your hero board, which happens to me a lot. So yeah, you might only get 10 plays because uh, you probably see both heroes uh, during each game. So there is that. Yeah, and I'll discuss that a little bit later. But my number two is like my biggest concern with the game. And I, I did my five and five review and I have more to say on this. I'm glad we're doing a podcast because not that my thoughts have evolved. Well, my thoughts have evolved a little bit. So what I said on the podcast or on the in the five and five was snowballing is my number two thing about the game and that it's a full con. And that's still kind of true, but I've talked to a lot of people and I think there's more going on here. So let me just kind of lay out the idea as I had sure. it originally. I think that the game, especially at its basic difficulty level, is tuned too easy and not just too easy, but a little bit like dull in that. It's very easy to stun lock a lot of the villains where you are doing enough damage to them and are even encouraged to do this against some villains like Ultron, like every turn. It's even more easy than that is. It's very easy to kill all the minions that spawn every turn. And then I've also found it easy to defy the people. Usually I'm winning the game, like when I'm barely halfway through the event deck. Often when the like boss spawns, we murder him in a single round. So... It's one of those things where, like, if you do well, you tend to keep doing well, you know, because you are getting, like, extra bonuses as you go. You're getting team-up points to do these combo abilities. You're unlocking your characters, like, unique abilities, all that kind of stuff. But then, so, so here's the thing. I They have an official difficulty mode that spawns more and makes the quest take longer to complete. I only played that with two-player and that's the only player count besides five player where you don't increase the spawns. And that's, I think, the most important thing. I think you need a lot of enemies. But I think it's a very, like, fragile balance because if you add, like, even an extra enemy, that it's might be lot. enough for you to, like, completely lose the game. Yeah, yeah like, so lot. the game the game is, like, on this knife's edge where I'm almost sort of glad it's too easy because the, the other side is, like, ridiculously dumb. But then the frustrating thing is, and Peter, you experienced this with me, like, the first time we played Ultron... Some of the nemeses do kind of like wacky things. And like suddenly, no matter how well you're doing, like crazy stuff happens at the end. Yeah. So I feel like the difficulty is in, in a weird place. I do think you can make it definitely more challenging with the official difficulty variant. I think that'll help out a lot. But I don't know. Like the game has been compared to by a lot of people to like Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror and that kind of thing. Or even like, a, you know, it's kind of pandemic like in a way. And I feel like those games tend to do a better job of keeping things at a smooth pace where it's like challenging and things ramp up. This game doesn't necessarily have a ramp up. Well, the so events like the villain don't flipped. ramp up. The, the events right, are events the same. don't ramp up. Yeah, so like I think there's, I think there's just a lot of fragility in the difficulty, and it, it can go either way. But the way I put it in the video, and this part I still feel is true, it was rare for me to feel to find that sweet spot of tension and challenge while still feeling good. It was either a complete cakewalk or a complete kick in the face. I right? have some questions. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. yes but I have ahead. questions. Yeah, yeah. What was your n most played player count? Like uh, when you soloed, were you playing two characters? Were you playing three characters? I, I did two, three, and four soloing. And it happened okay. with all of them. But probably I played three player the most of the game. I think I okay. played that like three times. I agree with you. I think three player is very easy. I do not think two player is very easy. No. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> no. Well, I, so, so here's actually, well, hold on. There, there's one more thing I wanted to say. And this is going to go into my number one. Okay. Point, yeah. I yeah. Talk about all that yet. Yeah. So I do think it, it also depends drastically 
on your hero choice? That was about to be my next question. Yes, and specifically, the aspects. here's the thing that I think is, well, not just the aspects. Here's the thing that I think is kind of a flaw of the game. You're doing, like, several things. You're supporting each other. You're moving. You're fighting. You're defying the missions and stuff. Peter, I'm sure you know because you played the game a lot, too. Which of those is the one that if you take a bunch of people who can do it well, you're going to have an easy time fighting. if you don't take a bunch of people? Fighting. Yeah, no, you have to so... be able to fight. Yeah. Well, not just have to be able to fight. If you if all your characters can fight, you will have an easy game. Yes. And if you take like a non-fighting team, I don't know how you can possibly win. Well, and that's what I was about to say. I think you can yeah. vary the difficulty based on Correct. what aspects you take. I never took aggression in my two-player games just to see what it was like. Because I wanted to try all the different aspects. And I only played all right, not only. All my multiplayer games were multi were more than two players. But whenever I soloed, I only played two players. Now, maybe it's just a failure of me as a player, but I, w- I was having difficulties. Now, I never once took aggression in a... Yeah, two- and, I, and I almost always used aggression. It's the one suggestion right. in the book. And I think, yeah, now that you mention it, I think it is an overpowered aspect. So I'll just finish up my number two, and then, Peter, you can talk more. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think the difficulty is in a weird place. There are lots of nozzles you can, like, fiddle with to, I think, make it better... You could like not take the strongest characters. You cannot use aggression. Yep. But I wish the design team had done a little bit more to balance that all out themselves. Does that make sense? And not put as yes. much on like the player and what they choose for a very swingy experience. Well, and especially because we've complained about this before. There's nothing in the rule book that says this is makes it harder. This makes it easier. Like, this well, is- I don't think they intended for aggression to be way more powerful, but. Yes. Again, like fighting is like 75% or 80% of the most important things you need to do. You well, it's how think, you win the game. <laughs> it's how you win the game. And, yeah. you know, if you're comparing it to Marvel Champions or even like Eldritch Har or something, I think it's very 50-50, right? Well, like yeah, because you you'll lose the game. And you, and, and you he, can't reduce if, threat. Right. And here, it doesn't matter because if you punch them quick enough, then like those games, it's very hard to punch them quick enough. That that the threat doesn't matter here. Right. If you punch through some, now you may have some heroes that you have to do a lot of thwarting or whatever they call it in this game, where you have to like get through some mission stuff in order to get to that punching at the end of the game. But I felt like if you didn't have heroes that could punch at the end of the game, you're in trouble. And that's where most yes. of my games came down to at the end is like I just couldn't punch strong enough. And yeah, I got yes. to the end game quickly, but then I got my teeth knocked in because I couldn't knock out the villain yeah and i always took aggression because what i knew that a game was all about fighting yep. even when i was playing four or five player i had one aggression person and they would kick the boss's butt yeah yeah you know like i wish i, I do my reviews after like 10 plays of a game and i can see some extra things in uh, marvel dagger but the, here's the thing it's not like i become more positive on how they balance the game i just see more ways players can fix it i don't think my review would change if that makes sense yep but exactly. like my recommendations would change. But anyway, I'm sorry, Peter. Go ahead and do your number two. I'm, I'm talking All right. too much. So no, no, no. My Well, I, I had a lot of questions because I felt like I knew what the problem was. Like I felt like yeah. you didn't handicap yourself, which is like, right. like if you want the difficulty to be harder, I didn't increase the difficulty at all on any of the settings. And I still had very hard games and I had games where mm-hmm. I lost because I wasn't taking 
aggression and in fact intentionally avoiding aggression yeah most of the no, games you're right you're right okay so my number two is the quick activations and the quick actions it kind of goes a little bit more with character selection and aspects and things but i just like how on your turn you're doing something you're doing it quick you're either moving somewhere you're activating the location you're at with the dagger effect you know which just you know gives you a token usually or, or lets you you know flip over some of your power cards something like that you're doing an attack which is basically like rolling three dice you may get rerolls, but most characters don't. So there's not a lot of decision making in that, which mm. it sounds worse than I, I want it to sound. Like there are decisions in what you're going to do with those actions. And many times I'm like, oh, I should have done this in this order in this turn. So I do find it very puzzly, but I do mm. like how quick those hero actions are and how quick you get through your turns. And even in multiplayer games, it felt like you were getting back to your turn pretty quickly. So that's my number two. I like the game flow and how quick those hero actions were. Yeah, my number one is basically the same as your number three. It is those uh, hero aspect combos. This is the thing that like kind of stuck in my mind the most besides the whole difficulty question. I was like, I, I was like, literally, I was just sitting with the game after I played it some nights and just like looking at heroes and looking at people and be like, that'd be awesome. Ooh, that'd be really cool. Oh, they yeah. could do a lot of cool stuff. You like, it's just fun to combine the aspect, the 20 heroes. Like, yes, they're not, they, uh, I forget if we said this, but it's like, 10 pairs of double-sided heroes and if yep. one side gets defeated you flip to the other side i know you said that but they also like share some ability cards but also have some unique stuff to themselves yep but still the 20 are very different and it's a crazy number like i can't think of any other game like this yeah that has so many iconic characters out of the gate like this is not a fantasy flight game where i'm like oh where's that expansion content yeah, like if, I agree. if this was it, I would be like, "Good job!" Like it's it's, yep. it's got a ton of stuff. Don't get me wrong; if they had expansions, that'd be cool, especially like more nemeses and stuff. But yeah, I, I I like the hero combos a lot. Now, it's funny. My snowballing point number two was a full con in my video review, and now I think I've I've raised up a little bit, but only in that I think the players have options to make it better. And I think while this was a full pro from a number one, it's it's lost a little bit of luster. Because I think, like you said, they're not giving you information and there are terrible combinations. And maybe yes. that's perfect. <laughs> like if you want to be like Doctor Strange, but aggression, where you're barely rolling any fighting dice, but you could make them a little bit better. Yeah. You can do that and the game will be harder. You won't have a snowballing problem. You'll have a barely hanging on for dear life problem. So, yeah, it's like great. I wish the game gave you more guides on how to tailor it, but it, it is the kind of thing that once you play it a bunch, like at this point, I could definitely pick characters that would make the difficulty more where I want it to be. Yes. It's funny. I like this other game way better, <laughs> but it reminds me a bit of too many bones in sure. that. So, so here, here's my comparison. I know, you know, you, you can add in some expansions and some specific enemy types will like kind of work against this, but a lot of people know that in too many bones, Often it is the best choice to level up attack, defense, dexterity, right? Yeah, we talked about that in the original review Correct. before we were experts at the game, and I'm no expert, but now that you've played it a lot. Well, and, and that's still that's still the case. That's still the case. That those are often the best thing. Like they've, introduced, they've introduced a lot of stuff to push against that, but that's often the best case. And what I've learned as I've played more Too Many Bones is that the game is a ton of fun if you, like, just don't do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> And like you just said, like, you know, if, if you handicap yourself a little bit, if you don't always use the strongest characters, if you don't always take the strongest combinations, like if you just kind of see how things play out and force yourself to struggle a bit more, the game could be a lot more fun. And I think Dagger's in the same kind of place. I think a lot of yeah. people are going to be like me and bounce off it, play a few games, be like, what the hell? Um, 
and either way, they might have a terrible time and never win because they're not picking like aggression. They're not getting the right combos. They don't have enough fighting or they might just steamroll the game. But I think it is the kind of game that if you devote the time to it, it's going to reward you if you are willing to handicap yourself and like not take the best comp. You know, it's, it's very much a, I don't know if Steve and Kim are still in the chat, but it kind of makes me think of like a Steve Kingsley game. Like I'm going to try out weird combos of abilities yeah. And just see how it goes. I think those kind of gamers will like this a lot. Sorry, I'm getting a bit into final thoughts. But yeah. Well, no, no, no. That's what I did. That's what I was doing my last couple of games. I was coming up with weird. Like I did. Actually, this worked out really well. Captain Marvel Devotion. Or the one that where Dedication. Whatever the one. Or Determination. That's what it is. Yeah. Where they get the re-rolls. Yeah. And oh my gosh. She was getting five dice against the boss and re-rolling all misses. Like on her her best attack. And it was just like. Yep. That was pretty good <laughs> like i did not you know i didn't read any of the character sheet or whatever ahead of time i just like all right i'm gonna put these two together and see what happens and you come up with some cool very good combinations and then i got some not so good combinations with other uh <laughs> like i did uh hulk protection i think it was oh that was that was not a great great idea <laughs> oh yeah hulk protection is weird because he wants to hurt himself already so yes well and she, she hulk protection i played that one she was amazing um, well, there was something like when cool he stuff. defeats an enemy, he does damage equal to their like attack value. No, he, or whatever. He, uh, he defies the mission automatically. He gets to put success tokens on the mission. Right, but protection reduces their attack value. So literally, oh, his special power yeah, yeah. got worse by being in protection. Like it was literally just like, oh, I get half as much stuff on a two attack character as I would, and if I kill a one attack character, guess what? I get zero. Like great. That's yeah. So it was a little anti synergy there. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's interesting stuff like that as well. So, um, but my number one point, and I haven't brought it up yet, but you knew it was going to be in here, is the randomness. Yes. All the points before this, I actually think are pretty much pros for me. Yeah. And this one brings it down a lot though. And that's why it's my number one point, because I still don't know whether I like this game or not. I think you're going to get from the review, whether you're going to like certain aspects or not. I've had fun playing it. I've had challenging games, again, avoiding aggression and and just playing around with certain combos. Like, I've enjoyed myself playing it. But, man, there are certain times. Like, I was playing Justice. And one Justice's big thing is if they attack and defeat a minion, they also can add two threat points or, or two, like, progress points toward a quest. I'm like, oh, man, this will totally save me. Easy action. I got four dice. I might even, I don't remember. There was a lot of stuff going in my favor. And then you just roll that blank. And it's like, not only did I not kill this thing, which is now going to increase threat every turn. It's that snowball thing you said. Like, now, this is going to add more threat because, yeah. like, I didn't get rid of this. And I'm not going to get the the team-up points that I needed to help with these team-up cards, which we didn't even talk about. But, like, every character gets their own team-up card and you build up team-up points. So, like, it can, sno- like... There are a lot of rolls, so I do think the luck balances out over the course of the game as far as like, ah, I got some bad rolls, I got some good ones. But there are some critical rolls in this game where if you just totally whiff on, and there are a lot of rolls in this game that I just totally whiff on. Oh, um, yeah. It feels like, you know, and sometimes it's like, oh, you get plus one anyway, and you still get to do a hit or whatever else. But a lot of times that's not the case. And I've rolled five dice and gotten one hit. Like when yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm going to win the game this turn. 
nope, guess not. <laughs> like, you know, like uh, Captain uh, Captain Marvel, she rolls five dice mm-hmm. a lot of times against a boss. And like, sometimes you just whiff. Uh, and there is not much mitigation except for with one character. And that's only for one of your three actions, too. It's not even like you get rerolls on all your attacks. So... Yeah, there's not my a lot favorite, of- my favorite combo with that was Captain America determination because he gets two boosted actions a turn. Oh, so okay. he he was getting uh, double two re rolls out of his three actions a turn. So that's that's good for the the luck averse. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, I didn't. I say I never played with Captain America because I played two games with him with other people, and I'm like, wow, I'm not gonna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna play him like I've seen him played. Uh, but yeah, you don't get that feel. Uh, again, it's 20 characters, right? So you don't get to see everything. Yeah. Um, unless you're playing a million games, but yeah, th- so that randomness really brought the game down for me. Um, yeah. So, and I think, and, and you and I like dice, we put dice in a lot of our games, right? So it's not even that I think the dice are bad. It's that a lot of times, I, I guess I've just gotten to the point now where if you get a bad roll, I don't mind bad rolls. I don't mind missing, but I want it. I want it to give you something. You know what I mean? Like, I guess I've just gotten so used to what you call the Saddler dice, where like, all right, well, at least you get a token. So next time, like, that'll turn that miss into a hit or whatever. Like, I want some kind of, you know, even Castles of Burgundy did this, like, long ago. Like, you don't have a dice you can use? Okay, trade it in for two workers, which will give you plus one or minus one to your future Mm -hmm. rolls, right? Like, I want something for total whiffs. I don't want it to just be a miss. So Yeah, I mean... You don't have to just do the Saddler thing, but yeah, two two games that like really kind of focus my dice thing and things that they could have done here and I kind of wish they had. So first, Red Dragon Inn, Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, no dice miss. You just do okay and you do better. You know, like right. you have every die hits at least one damage, but then some of them explode and some of them give you like the exclamation points that get you better dice later. And some of them give you two hits. And it's the exact same thing. Like, we talked about this with Arkham Horror, right? The bag gives you a number, and then that number gets decreased by the bag, right? Which Mm -hmm. just feels bad. But it's the same thing. If somebody has four health or whatever, and you have misses and you have hits, or somebody has eight health and everything hits, but you're rolling four dice at a time, well, those four plus ones are the same as if they were misses, right? But it just feels better to do, like, okay, I got four damage on him. I did something for this attack. And I guess that way, if you attack twice, you're guaranteed to kill it. Whereas here, if you attack twice, you could literally whiff on both attacks and never do any damage. So I guess it's not exactly the same thing. It's just, it's just better to be able to do that. I mean, here, we're kind of, there's kind of a different design discussion that we're about to get into. Yeah, yeah. But just for everybody out there, if your game is like Marvel Dagger, Marvel Dagger, I wish they had done this. Let's say that you right now have successes a third of the time. Hey, we can apply this to Eldritch Horror and Arkham Horror and all of those because they have like the five and six or success thing. Yep. If your game has successes a third of the time and on average you need to do like two damage or two successes to beat things, change it. <laughs> to be successes four-sixths of the time or five-sixths of the time and multiply the other stuff accordingly. Unless it's going to make your token overload of, like, damage counters or whatever go in a crazy way. Like, Summoner Wars 2nd Edition is a competitive game. It's fabulous. Peter and I both love it. Yep. All they did is, from 1st Edition to 2nd Edition, one of the biggest changes, they made attacks hit five-sixths of the time instead of four-sixths of the time. Yep. So you almost never miss. At least with melee attacks. Yeah, uh, range is... different. 
The yeah. range is for still four six, but that's that's still better than it was. And then they increased all the dice values and they increased all the health values to match. Right. So you're killing guys in about the same number of attacks, but you don't have, oh, I rolled, oh, I missed everything, it sucks. Yeah. You also don't have, ooh, it was super lucky that I hit everything and I killed your guy. Like you still have that, but it's not as much of an outlier that makes your opponent feel bad because you just rolled stupidly lucky. Right. You know, it ends up being the same thing. If I if I need to do four damage to a guy in Marvel Dagger, but I only hit half the time, it ends up being the exact same thing as if I need to do like six damage to the guy, but I hit three quarters of the time. But the difference is in the like three attack actions it takes me to kill them, I feel like crap when I roll misses on the first roll. Yeah. And I feel a little better when I do one or two damage on the first roll in the other way. Like it's it's a very much an optics thing. Like maybe the probability works out in the same way, but it just makes people feel like trash when you when you make them whiff one, <laughs> frequently. I, and I dagger like, makes you whiff frequently, yes. you know? Yeah. And I feel like we're never going to review Massive Darkness, so we can talk about, like, that was our big fight earlier this week. <sighs> and not only in that game can you totally whiff, but you'll get damaged oh in gosh. the process of totally, like, Mike's first attack ever. And now, granted, it was like a 1 in 72 chance of happening. Yes, it was you, very bad odds, very bad odds. But you totally whiffed and took three damage. <laughs> like, you literally <laughs> took the maximum amount of damage you could and did zero damage to the to the enemy and it's like okay that just feels bad and like you were grumpy the rest of the day and thinking back like yeah i was pissed too at the time like not about like about other things but bottom line is like yeah that'll put somebody off of a game in two seconds like nothing will put somebody off of a game more than yes it might be unlucky roll but it's like pandemic you get epidemic turn one right that's no fun like nobody wants that it's like wait a minute this game went from super hard to ridiculously hard, and then you pull one of the three pull cities on your first time, and now you've exploded in, like, you know, <laughs> like, turn one. You had literally zero you could do about it. Like, nobody wants that. Swinging this can be good, though, right? Like, yeah, swinging this leads to exciting moments, so don't get us wrong here. We're not saying take all the fun out of the game and take all the choices out of the game and take all the, like high five moments out of the game. Definitely don't do that. Don't balance to the point where, like, the game becomes no fun. But <laughs> also don't have as many of those feel-bad moments if you can help it. Yeah. All right, so let's... Uh, sorry, we're, we're going all over the place. Marvel Dagger. Uh, thoughts? Uh, I'll get mine real quick. Um, I do like this one a lot. Again, I continue to evolve kind of on my difficulty thing. I think there is more to make the game. I think the snowballing is maybe, maybe it shouldn't be in my number two. Like, it's not as big of an issue as I thought. I think there are ways to mitigate it, but the game does not make it easy for you to figure that out. The game does not self-balance well. If you take certain teams, you'll destroy the game. If you don't, you will have trouble uh, winning. And I think handicapping yourself by taking weaker teams is going to emphasize what Peter's talking about more. You will have more reliance on dice luck. You will have more with rolls. Yep. So I really enjoy this one. It's not a slam dunk. I think some house ruling could help it out. And I think uh, if you're into the theme and if you want a game like this, and if you can spend some time with it, I think it can become a beautiful game for you. But for me, it's one that I would be happy to play. You know, it's not going to be like top 10 of the year for me, I don't think, unfortunately. And there are things in it that I love, but there are, I just yeah. don't, I don't think the development polish is there or I don't know if that's the way to put it, but I think there's a lot of choices here that are counter to fun sometimes. The game can run away in both directions and the dice can be frustrating. And I love that hero choice, but even that can be problematic. As we said, if you don't take fighters, they've made the game too heavily tuned to you having combat strength. 
And I yeah. wish it was more 50-50. So I don't know. I'm very mixed on the game. Like a lot about it. I think some people are going to love it. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a full-on winner for me. So here's the thing we didn't talk about. And I'm actually surprised it was in neither of our top five points. Probably should have made my list. Is the game length. This is not a short game. I think a lot of I wouldn't, these... I wouldn't say it's a super long game. It's like an hour to 90, right? Uh, felt more like 90 to 2 to me. But Yeah, you know, I guess it is 90 to 2 hours. And huh. And that's teetering on the edge of too long for what it is. And that's Jerry, both Jerry and Jason said that when they played it with us. And I totally agree. Like if this game was an hour, I think I would feel a lot different about it. Yeah. I do it. Especially that, especially that luck element and the snowballing and stuff. And I do feel like it's not faster solo. Maybe it's just me, but it actually slows down solo because now I got to rethink what am I doing with this character? What are their special powers? Oh, let me rethink. What am I doing with this character? What are their special powers? So it even felt longer for me at solo. So yeah, I mean, the length, I don't know that it overstays its welcome, but I also don't think it's doing itself any favors with its game length. Yes. Um, like they can take an entire mission out, and I would not mind at all. Not the first one. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. And I, I did not have the same experience with you where it didn't snowball. For me, it, or, or it didn't get bad with the villains. Like, I did not kill every minion every turn, and I did not. Right. Well, again, you didn't take aggression. So I think it well, might sure. be an, uh, a broken aspect, you know, which is unfortunate. That well, I and I also with think so with often. three characters, you get that one more action. And yes, you have to do more to remove threat, but I think for stunning the villain and taking all the minions off the board, I think it's hard to do with two characters with four actions. Because not only do you have one less action, because again, at two player you get four actions each, at three players each player gets three, mm-hmm. but you also don't have the board coverage as as well. So I found sometimes like I had to spend actions like stunning the boss with the one character I had that could fight really well, and then having them yeah, move but, across the Yeah, but it goes board. both ways, because often you need extra actions to finish off a mission or extra actions to kill somebody off. Well, so sure. having four actions to turn where you are can sometimes be more valuable than the board covered, so it can kind of cut both ways. Although I use Strange with my second one, and I think his thing is give every player an extra action, So which definitely yes. doesn't scale on players. I just realized now because I was playing no, with two players and no, was- no, no, no. Uh, it does actually, it does actually because uh, the team up cost, I think is two per player. So it costs more in a higher player count game. Oh, I missed that greater benefit. Oh, did you? Yeah. There, there's definitely a player count icon next. Oh, to that. <laughs> so yeah, I messed that up. So yeah, I probably would have lost that last game then. Oh yeah. I, if you're I, only I, spending two team up to get an extra action for everybody. Well, then, that's why I thought it was real good. <laughs> that's almost as strong as aggression aspect. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, it was for me, but yeah, so I, I'm mixed on this one too. I think it's going to be a, a middle of the pack game for this year and, and maybe it won't end up that way on our list. Maybe it'll end up near the top or near the bottom based on the strength of the other games. But I remember sure. this being a pretty strong year, so it's going to be hard. This is a game I would happily play if people brought it out like, hey, would you play it? And I think it's pretty easy to bring out of the box and relearn the rules. There's not that yeah. much to it. But that's part of the other thing. If it's a two-hour game with not that much to it, that's an issue, right? <laughs> like, So, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I had fun with it, but I don't know that I'd be the one suggesting it too often. Yes, that sounds fair. Yep. So, that's my final thoughts. But I think, like, if the randomness doesn't bother you, if you don't get frustrated and you can laugh those things off, I think I think you'll like it because there were a lot of, a lot of strong things with the game. I think randomness yeah. and, and t- it was a, it was a, Luck to randomness ratio is what I really should have put as my number one. Like, or you mean ra- randomness, randomness to time. time ratio? It was was my biggest issue with the game. Um, no, and that makes sense. Yeah. All right, but let's get to feeling like superhero. 
So, Mike, I feel like a superhero. <laughs> did did Marvel Dagger make you feel like a superhero? So, for me, like a game making you feel like a superhero, and I feel like we might have talked about this in some review back yeah. in the day. Some yeah, point. go ahead and cover that first. Most important thing is, like, I don't know about you, Peter, but when I want to look up a hero I don't know that much about, what I'll most commonly do is I'll go to Wikipedia and I'll scroll down. And I'll find that powers and abilities. <laughs> sure. Subheading. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. I mean, I've fir- never like, done that, but yeah, that's the powers. This is right? literally that's the first thing I do because what I like to know first about a superhero, there's like just what kind of I gravitate toward ever since I was a kid, is like, what is the cool thing they do? Yep. You know, Wolverine has claws and like a metal skeleton and can heal really quickly. That's awesome. You know, whenever like, I read one who's like, they have... Higher than average athletic ability. Like, it's boring. <laughs> you know, like, everybody has that. That's literally every entry. You know, right. but then if it's like, uh, you know, they can manipulate ice, they can control sound, they can, like, control magnetism. That's so cool. Yeah. So, for me, a lot of whether a game makes me feel like a superhero or not is in the powers and whether, like, I feel like those powers are unique. I do cool things with that. So, how does Marvel Dagger do I think pretty well. Yeah, actually, I think on that, that definition, I think the I different, agree. Yeah, like, I think between the team-up cards, between, like, the extra cards you can unlock, between all the powers on your board, even, like, leaving the aspect out of it, just, like, the, the unique abilities and, like, cool, like, things you can do on your board. Like, Hulk can, like, smash somebody and then jump somewhere else. I'm like, heck yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Mighty Thor can, like, die and come back to life even stronger. I'm like, let's go. You know, like, there's, like, a lot of cool things in there, like, both, like, kind of bringing in story elements from those characters, but also giving them, like, cool, unique things that they can do. It's not the strongest I've played, but I think Dagger actually does a pretty good job of making me feel like I'm a superhero with cool powers. But that's what's important to me. Might not be what's important to you. Yeah, so my definition, when I was thinking about this this topic... The game that made me think that that did this the best was, or, or at least first best for me, and made me think of this was The Reckoners. Mm-hmm. I haven't played mm-hmm. that game in a long time, but do you remember how powerful you felt in that game? Well, like, Peter, you know, I'm not sure. Do you do you remember what The Reckoners is about? Yeah, right. That's the funny part. You weren't a superhero, right? You were somebody fighting right. against superheroes. But but that game. Well, and 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 a major complaint we had about the Reckoners was the was theme. that all the superhero villains didn't feel did very not powerful. have very different things. They were right. like all basically almost the same. It just had like v- minor variations of like things. So like I and I had read the books, and I was like, "Ooh, let's go this villain." And I was like, "Oh, well, they add an extra enemy to the board." It's like they put an extra cube in pandemic, you know, it's like, oh, so that's what them like being invisible does, or that's what them like controlling tectonic plates does. So yeah, so it's interesting you bring up the Reckoners, but sorry, continue your point. Because it made me feel powerful. And to Mm -hmm. me, that is, has been the definition of like, when I was thinking about this topic, I was like, yeah, when I feel super powerful, it feels really cool. Like, unlike a dungeon crawl where maybe you're leveling up and you don't always do so well and you whiff, like, it doesn't bother me as much there. Whereas if I'm supposed to be a superhero, like, I want to just demolish stuff, right? I want to take out 50, like, you know, common criminals on a turn, right? I want to do Captain Marvel blowing up a spaceship by flying through it, right? Like, 
I want to yes. do big, awesome things when I'm a hero. Especially and, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, especially when you're fighting the mooks and especially yes. when you're like doing the basic stuff. Like, yes, it can still be tough to take on Thanos, but like if there's like a basic criminal, it, it makes me think of a, <laughs> you ever play any of the old side scrolling superhero games, Peter, like Death and Return of Superman or like no. the old Batman game, like, you know, kind of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or even Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes, you I play played that Mutant. one, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it was always weird for me, and I know why they did this. Or the X Men game in the arcades, the awesome one that would have like the big spread, and you hear Colossus going, you know, you played yeah, that yeah. game, didn't yep, you? Of course, yep. Sorry, we're showing our age, everybody. But yeah, like I think that's a perfect example of how not to do it, right? Because you're dying to move reporter, all the time. <laughs> yeah, you would die immediately, and I'm like, I'm Wolverine, and like basic criminal with stick. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, like twice and I have to put another quarter in the game you know where I'm, I'm Leonardo and like basic foot soldier kills me with like one shuriken you know is, yes so yeah no no I think your definition is actually a really good one so sorry continue your point but I want to fight the mooks then right like I want right. to fight those guys and dagger didn't give you that right even the weakest of the the guys you could just totally whiff and waste an action on Absolutely. I, I wanted to be destroying them. And there were certain powers. Like, I, I forget who it was. I think it was, it was the one that does two damage to everybody in the space if you are empowered. Oh, and adjacent, right? I think, and it, it uh, has to be a, a space adjacent to you. Right, right, right. War, War Machine, right? No. Well, maybe also, but no. War, War Machine had oh, a no. similar thing Captain like Marvel. Can shoot missiles. Oh, okay. Captain, Captain, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Captain Marvel. Yes, yes, yes. Captain Marvel had that. And it was like so cool when I would take out like a whole block of, like that made me feel really cool. And again, I didn't have to roll any dice to do that. But right. there weren't enough of those moments, I guess, in the game where I felt cool like that. So No, that, that totally makes sense. Now, do you think Marvel well, Champions well, makes but, you feel overpowered? But, but, oh, but sorry, to finish my thought here, the more I thought about it, if you watch any superhero movie, they get their butt kicked for like three quarters of the movie and then come out victorious at the end. So in that scenario... I actually think Marvel Dagger was the one of the most thematic <laughs> games I've ever played because it's like I felt like I was getting my butt kicked. I was missing like, you know, I was that, you know, Daredevil who just gets his butt kicked and then comes back at the end and like miraculously pulls it off due to resilience or whatever. Or Captain America. In that sense, I kind of did feel like I was a superhero because you never watch like a, a straight progression in superhero movies where they're just dominating the whole time, right? They always have to overcome some adversity. And so in that game, in this game, I did feel that like highs and lows. So mm. I don't know. To some degree, it didn't fit my definition of what it felt like to be a superhero. If you watch any movie or even like Rocky movies, stuff like that, like, you know, there's always that downfall before you before you get to that really powerful moment, those highs and lows. And I think it simulated that actually pretty well. Yeah, although, see, my favorite parts of those movies, and this is usually in the sequel, because what you're talking about is more common in the the origin story, right? My favorite part tends to be the early parts where we get to see them being awesome before the villain really starts messing with them. You know, like the Superman scenes where like he saves a falling plane sure. and rescues everybody. You know, or the Spider-Man scene where he like makes some quips and then like captures like six criminals all at once. Sure. Yep. Or if you're going to like video games, like the Batman Arkham uh, series where like you take on like 10 guys, you're like, you know, just doing like this amazing like fighting stuff. Like it is cool to see superheroes be overpowered. And I think on that level, Dagger fails. Yes. Unless you take the exact right character. Because if you're like Doctor Strange, you for some reason cannot defeat a 
mid-level criminal yes. on the streets of New York. You that know what I mean? That is very like, true, that's, yes. That's, that's Without a, a lot of help. Right, yeah, which is not my Doctor Strange. <laughs> yes. So so uh, how about other games that do it uh, better and worse? Here, I'm, I'm going to do the LCGs, okay? You ready? Yep. In terms specifically of like what I'm talking about, what you're talking about. So I would say worst for feeling like a superhero, and this one I just hate how they do this, is Lord of the Rings, which you're playing, playing a lot recently. Yeah. It has always annoyed me to no end. And I get why they did this, because Lord of the Rings is designed as a squad game. Yep. You know, like a bunch of heroes and stuff. But the fact that one hero blocks and another hero attacks. Yes, you can't block. As always, <laughs> I hate it. Because, like, where is that in the movie? <laughs> it's true of Marvel Champions, Where is that too, in the books? Yes. Like, yeah. when Ghibli goes into, like, a group of, like, ten orcs and kills them all by himself. Yes. No trouble. He's not like, well, if I don't block this, you know, like, I'm just going to spend my entire turn to hold up a shield to this orc. All right, here we go. Okay, well, no, no, no. You don't, see those, you don't see those jobbers in the background just getting killed right and left, like, blocking for them. Like, that's why he's so clean to kill all those guys. Because there's, like, Johnny Shield Boy off over to his no, right. No, man, like, come on. In the Battle of Helm's attacks. Deep, him and Legolas <laughs> are counting kills. They both get in, like, the 40s and 50s, I think. <laughs> you know, like, yes. yeah, Marvel so... Champions does do that, too, I will say. Yeah, it's a, it's an odd thing, and this is a lot. We were talking about this on Discord today. There's a lot like my uh, my Magic the Gathering background, but let me hit a guy and hit back. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like, like retaliation damage. Like I I like that when it's me. You know, and yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I do think Marvel Champions clearly does the superhero thing best of a lot of games. I think I think it has what I like. You know, very unique things for the heroes, even with deck construction. Uh, very strong combos in the heroes, like you doing cool stuff that only you can do, uh, having unique mechanics for each hero. I think they do that really well. Yep. But also I think, you know, yes, some of it is allies, and I don't necessarily love the ally thing in Marvel Champions or in uh, Lord of the Rings. But when you're, like, fully kitted up, you can have, like, three, like, basic enemies and just smash them all and still, yes. like, do stuff to the boss at the same time. So I do think, like, at least by the end. And I think uh, my other favorite one for that is Sentinels of the Multiverse. That's another one where, like, you get very unique for your character. You build up in a really big way, and you can kill tons of, like, little minions while still having a challenging time with the boss. I, th I think both those games are the best for my money at striking that balance that kind of both of us mentioned. Unique powers, unique characters, smash the mooks, struggle and triumph against the boss. You know, like, I think they do a really good job with that. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because in order for a game... Like, because it's a game first, right? It's not a movie where you don't mind just yeah. watching yourself destroy everything. When you have a game first, it's important for there to be at least some degree of challenge or difficulty mm -hmm. in it. So I think part of the challenge and part of the hard thing is that you've got to make enemies as powerful as you or there is no challenge to the game. If it was just Superman going around destroying mooks, nobody would play that game because it would be boring after a while. So there does have to be a degree of challenge. So, I mean, it's funny. I'm thinking about our game Spare Parts right now. Like, we're fighting against other robots, right? We're not fighting against... I mean, there are ground troops that you're fighting against as well. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think it's all about allowing yourself to have the diversity in enemies. Yeah. Like, I don't think Dagger had enough diversity, you know? Yeah. And you the, the easiest guys, guys aren't easy enough. Like, the weak guys aren't weak enough. I, I think... This is not one of my favorite superhero games because I don't think it, for my taste, I don't think it gets the uh, the difference between heroes enough. But Marvel United does a fine job with this because 
you know, with one action card, you can punch like three of those like yes. basic like low minion things away, but then it's a struggle to actually like fight Green Goblin. That's true. Um, yeah. You know, or like Street Masters or Alter Quest or all those like Sadler Brothers games or uh, Hour of Need to name a actual like superhero one. Like they're also you're fighting like general minions, you're fighting slightly stronger minions. You can beat them up with like, you know, it's not that tough. But then when you get to the boss, it's actually a challenge. So I think if you want to get that superhero feel, I think it's all about the variations of power. But at s- somewhere you need to feel awesome. Yeah, Dagger, you need to I don't feel ever gets. Yeah, Dagger never, at, at the, even at the lowest level, unless you're playing aggression, <laughs> then you're not going to feel awesome and you're not going to kill everything. Whereas, yeah, our own game, Spare Parts, when you like walk on like little troops in your giant mech and just smash them with no dice roll whatsoever, that feels great. You know what I mean? Like you definitely get the power like fantasy kind of thing going on there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I think we've come up with some good idea of what we need to do to get to a superhero feeling, at least for us, which is have mini guys for you to kill, right? <laughs> like lots of little mooks or whatever we want to call them. And then feel powerful. You want to feel powerful throughout the game. And for you, they, they got to have special powers, something that makes them feel unique, feel like a, you know, feel like a superhero. They need to have something yeah. that differentiates them. Well, and, and one more thing I'll throw in, because we were talking about this recently, Peter. So this is uh, bringing a video game design thing. Uh, Diablo 4. I'm playing a lot of that. Peter, I know you're playing it too. Yep. They made a choice that some video games make, some board games and RPGs make too, that I don't love, which is enemies level up with you. So no matter what level you are, no matter how awesome you've gotten, even if you go back to the most beginningest beginning dungeon in Diablo, the skeletons you were fighting a billion years ago, suddenly they are also level 44. Yes. And have like a lot of life. And I think that's never a great idea as a, like, across-the-board thing, like, sure, have some areas that are strong. Like, do, like, I don't know, World of Warcraft used to do. You know, like, here's the level 20 area. Here's a level 30 area. If I want to feel like a crazy powerful person, I can go somewhere to do it. It goes again into the power fantasy and, like, the beating up mooks thing. Like, in any game where you want your people to feel like heroes, have them kill something easily. This goes for dungeon crawlers, too. I know we're talking about superhero games. Yeah, sure. But... You know, dungeon crawlers is a competitive one, but claustrophobia, you had like the little tiny like gene stealer guys who die in one hit and you have like the big like demon guys who are kind of tough to kill. You feel awesome when you're mowing down like little guys, but the, the challenge is still there for the bigger guys. So, you know, if you're designing a game with a superhero theme, with a big, big heroes like in sci-fi theme, with a dungeon crawler like mechanic, I would say like just try to have mooks try to have the swarms, try to have like little guys and give people like area of effect attacks. Have them kill four people with one attack. They're going to feel great doing it. Find the balance somewhere else. You know, that's not about the balance at that point. That's about pure fun, the pure power fantasy. I want my character to be awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. It's making me think a lot. I mean, that's why we did this podcast to begin with, right? It's making us think about our own designs as well and things we can do a better job at and, you know, learning lessons from these games. You know, we're playing all these games, not only to review, to to help everybody else make decisions about what they want to purchase, but I do think as a designer, that's why it's so important to play so many games because... Mm -hmm it gives you ideas of how you can make your own stuff better and things that people are complaining about and say, oh, this doesn't feel good. It gives you a new perspective on it when somebody else has designed it. When you're too close to your own design, it's really hard to see those things. So yeah, give me some thoughts. 
giving me some thoughts, Mike, which is uh, which is always good. Although maybe not. Maybe it's not good for me to have thoughts. Nobody likes that. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for uh, watching. Uh, Marvel Dagger, a bit of a mixed one from us, but I do think there's a lot of great stuff in there. You just got to find the gold. Yep. And yeah, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully be back soon with Tales from the Red Dragon Inn or Genshin Terror, like a lot of really cool games we've been playing recently. That Yeah, those will probably be um, our next two because I'm so excited to yeah. play both of those more. Yeah, so. yeah, I love them. Cool. All right. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop. Or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list. Hey Mike. Yes. I wanna be a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. Yeah, I was thinking, we don't need another hero. Yeah, that's a good one, too. I, 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 yeah, I lost it.